Good morning, Kavanaugh. Welcome, family. Will you stand? Let's sing together. Sing wherever I go. can have a seat for just a minute and then I'm going to have you stand back up but relax for a second good morning we're so glad you're here thank y'all awesome song I love that hey we're glad you're here welcome to Kavanaugh we're going to worship Jesus today that is our mission that is our focus you know I love that Jesus makes all things new and you know sometimes we're resistant to change I think that's in our nature but guys the change that Jesus makes in us is a change that we desperately need so we're here today to celebrate new life in Jesus, and we invite you to be a part of that with us. If you're a guest, you're new to Kavanaugh, man, we're so glad that you came. We'd love to meet you right after service in our Welcome Center area. You'll see a Connect counter. Stop by there, and we will answer any questions that you might have about Kavanaugh. Uh, let's all stand up. We're going to pray, and then we want you guys to keep singing, okay, because you were sounding good. So let's, let's keep up the worship to the Lord today. God, we love you, we praise you, and we adore you. There is no one like you. And we thank you for salvation. Today, we are here to celebrate 
new life in Jesus. And God, you are so good. And so today, we want to lay aside all distraction, help us to focus on you, to hear from you, and then to respond to you, Lord, in trust and love and obedience. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Where would we be without his love and without his amazing grace? Um, I want to read a prayer of David this morning. It actually comes from 1 Chronicles 29. And just a little bit of the backstory as to why he wrote the prayer. They were, um, he wanted to build a temple for the Lord, but the Lord didn't allow him to. He wanted Solomon, his son, to do that. And so David began preparations for the building of the temple. And the Bible tells us that he gave um, of his treasury and his riches so that the house of the Lord could be built. And when his leaders saw what he did, they joined in and they gave. And then when the people saw that the leaders were giving to the Lord's temple, then they gave. And so it's, that's the setting for this prayer. They had all gathered in the assembly and they were just praising God for what they had seen him already do in the lives of the people. So listen to this prayer. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you, and you are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. And now, our God, we give our thanks, and we praise your glorious name. So let us be reminded this morning that we serve that same God, and he alone rules all things, heaven and earth. It all belongs to him. And in his name is power and strength and glory and majesty. And so our hope this morning and our praise is just to give him thanks for what we witness him Amen. doing, right? Amen. Amen. So sing with us glory, honor, and power. You are my God. You're 
seated high on your throne. You alone are worthy of our praise, oh God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that's moving in this place, Father. We thank you for the breath of new life in Jesus Christ and for your grace that covers us. Hallelujah to the one who died and rose again. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you this morning. I pray that everyone in this room would see the need to praise you. Our great king, our great father, our great high priest, who's sensitive to everything that we go through. You know each person in this room, and you know every single need on every single heart. Father, please touch us today with your presence. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. And God's people said, amen, and praise his name. Thee, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. We are here today to worship our risen Lord and Savior Jesus. Give Him the praise today. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Glad that you're here. Glad to have part of my family. Uh, two of the kids are here with one son-in-law, and they have the grandkids. Uh, Whitney and Tyler are leaving today to go out of the country, and so they are entrusting their two children with Lolo and Poe for a week. You know what? And, you, and, and the two dogs. So we got two grandkids and two dogs. And, and Whitney is telling them this is what? What'd you call it? Camp. Camp. This is camp for the kids. Camping for the kids. You know what? I told Angie the other day, I said, babe, I can remember you doing this 20 years ago when Callie and Zane were two and one, and I know you can do it again. <laughs> and here's what she said to me, bucko, it ain't going to be like it was 20 years ago. You're helping this time. So, uh, hey, pr pray for those grandkids. They're going to need it. It's not just camp. Gary, it's boot camp. Hey, I'm glad you're here today. We're going to continue our Joshua series I started a couple of weeks ago. I've entitled it Building Tomorrow Today. Angie hated that title. I had about three or four different options, and, and that was my favorite one. And she says, no, it sounds like a bank slogan, Building Tomorrow Today. And two weeks ago, I said that. Remember me saying that? And you know what? One of our staff members, while I was preaching, <laughs> sent Angie a text with a bank. And you know what their slogan was? Building tomorrow today. While I was preaching, he sent you that, and you looked at it and responded back. Jason, I know it wasn't you. It was that guy that deals with the teenagers, you know. Hey, this morning he's back. There he is right there. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Nathan, for that. And Angie and I were traveling just this past week and went through a little bitty town in, in Mississippi. I don't, have no idea where we were. But she said, look, look. And I looked over there, Gary, and it was this little elementary school. And guess what their slogan was? <laughs> Building tomorrow today. So anyway, 
All right, we're still going to call it Building Tomorrow Today because we are building the future today, right now. And we're looking at that in Joshua chapter 2 this morning. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about grace today. God's grace is so amazing. It is so amazing. God's grace on a scarlet cord is the title for this morning's sermon. We start in Joshua chapter 2 verse 1. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. You know, there are some stories in the Bible that don't quite fit, and this is one of them. Daniel in the lion's den, it fits. Rahab the harlot, not so much. We admire David for killing Goliath, but you know, we have a really hard time swallowing the fact that Rahab told a big fat lie to the king. We teach our kids to sing the song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, but I don't know of a single song written about Rahab the harlot. So let's just deal with the big white elephant in the room. Rahab was a harlot. Rahab was a prostitute. In fact, the Bible doesn't cover up this fact about Rahab. Three times in the book of Joshua, it tells us she was a prostitute. Or depending on the translation you're reading out of, the word harlot is used. There are two times in the New Testament that it affirms the fact Rahab was a prostitute. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 31, by faith the prostitute Rahab. James chapter 2, verse 25, Rahab the prostitute. That is five mentions in the word of God that she was a prostitute when one would have probably been enough. Evidently, God wants us to think prostitute when we think about Rahab. Now, the biblical record really doesn't give us very many details about Miss Rahab. We know that she lived in the city of Jericho, and we know that her house was somehow built into the outer wall of that city. We know that the men of Jericho knew who she was and where she lived, thus it didn't take the spies very long to find her house. We also knew that the king knew her by name and also where she lived. But there are many things we don't know about Miss Rahab. For example, we don't know why she became a harlot. We don't know her family background. We don't know her religion, except the fact that at the beginning of this story, she was not brought up understanding the God of the Bible. And number four, we we don't know if she was hungering, thirsting, longing, looking for a better life when these two spies knocked on her door. What do we know? Well, we know that by the time we get to the end of this story, this prostitute has become a child of God. Amen? And we know that she is included in the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. That amazing chapter that lists the great people of the Old Testament who really had a heart for God and who really did something for the kingdom of God. And when you ponder her induction into that list, it really is mind-boggling. I mean, that list begins with this, Abel, Enoch, Noah, 
Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and then suddenly, Rahab the harlot. Again, look at the whole verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Church, listen to me. If ancient Israel had a Mount Rushmore, I think Rahab's face would be on it. It really is mind-blowing if you think about it. In one fell swoop, God reaches down and he rearranges all of these neat little categories that we put people into. For example, we would put Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses on one side of the ledger, and at the top of their names, we would say, the good list. And then on the other ledger, we would put Rahab, and it would be the bad list. Can't let the prostitute get too close to the preacher. That's what we think. You know what? God's evaluation is strikingly different than ours. When the Bible tells the story, it makes no attempt to cover up Rahab's sordid past. Five times it reminds us she is a harlot. She is truly a scarlet woman whose reputation is going to follow her all the days of her life and even in the pages of history when she's gone. Now, I understand choices have consequences. Come on. Isn't that true? Every choice you make, whether good or bad, is going to have consequences to it. And just as we remember Peter denying the Lord, and Judas betraying him, and John Mark quitting on the Apostle Paul, we remember Rahab as a harlot. That's what she was. Rahab was a harlot. But note the past tense. That's what she was. But through the grace of God, she became a woman of faith. That is amazing. Let me just kind of tell you how it happens. Rahab had at least four things going against her at this point. You've heard the the term, three strikes in your... She had four strikes against her. What were they? Number one, she was a woman. Now, we live in a day and age of gender equality, and and I'm not going there this morning, but can I tell you, Miss Rahab knew nothing of gender equality. She lived in a world where women were routinely victimized and brutalized. And did you know that's still happening in parts of our world today? By including Rahab's story, God wants us to know the ground is level at the foot of the cross. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. I don't care if you're white or you're black. It doesn't matter which language you speak or which culture you're from. We're all level at the foot of the cross. Even in that degraded age, a woman could be included on an equal basis with men in the household of faith. And praise God, it's still the same way today. Second strike, she was a Gentile. That is, she had no part in the covenant God had made with Abraham and his descendants. She was a foreigner to the grace of God. She starts this story as a complete outsider. 
She did not belong to the Israelites, and yet by faith she was accepted not only by God but by his people. And when the attack of Jericho occurs a few chapters later, she was spared while the entire city and the population were destroyed. You know what? I really think that her life illustrates God's promise to Abraham. Remember this promise God gave to Abraham that through his descendants... God would bless the nations of the world. Amen for that. Third strike, she was a pagan. Rahab was raised in an atmosphere of depraved idol worship and gross immorality. And I am sure that she at least saw, if not participated, in the Canaanite practice of child sacrifice. Even though she had heard of the God of the Israelites, she knew nothing about him except that he could perform miracles that were amazing. And as this story begins, we have no reason to think that she would be sympathetic to those two spies that came to her house, and we wouldn't expect her to risk her neck to save them. She was a pagan. She was a Gentile. She was a woman. Three strikes, you're out. But there was a fourth strike. Rahab was a, she was a prostitute. Rahab was a harlot. Now, some wish to downplay this fact, and they seek to soften the impact of it by translating that word prostitute as innkeeper. But you know what? We don't need to do that. I mean, the Bible says it five times. It's, it's pretty plain. She was a prostitute. She sold her body for money. We don't need to cover up the fact or try to explain it away. In fact, I, I think it's really interesting here. The fact that she was a harlot simply magnifies the grace of God in demonstrating that somebody with a back, bad background can become a part of God's family. I mean, grace is for sinners. You didn't get it, so let's say it again. Grace is for sinners. And only sinners need to be saved. So Rahab stands as a beacon of hope for the broken, the hurting, the bruised, fallen men and women everywhere who wake up every morning and look in the mirror and think, there is no hope for me. God couldn't save me. God doesn't love me. Friend, let me tell you something. If you feel that way or if you woke up this morning thinking that of yourself, you need to consider the fact that Rahab was a harlot, but this very morning she is in heaven. If God can save her, God can save anybody. Some people think that she really doesn't deserve to be in the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But that judgment reveals how little that we really understand about the grace of God. A woman guilty of repeated sexual sin might not seem like a good candidate of salvation, but you know what? Appearances can be deceiving. Listen to me. Not every church member is as righteous as they appear to be on Sunday mornings. And not every sinner is really as far away from God as we might think they are. God has his people everywhere. 
and sometimes in very unlikely places. You wouldn't think a fallen woman in Jericho would ever end up in Hebrews chapter 11 with the greatest people in the kingdom of God. But that is exactly what happened. And it's all because of his amazing grace. His grace is so amazing that he will not only save notorious sinners, he will save self-righteous church members as well. We may read this story and say, there is grace even for people like Rahab. You know what? That word even gives us away. Because when we say even, we unconsciously put us on a different level. As if our sins are not nearly as bad as her sins. And dude, let me tell you, if you feel that way, you need to go home today and read Romans 3.22. What does Romans 3.22 says? It says this, there is no difference. What does that mean? There is no difference between young or old, rich or poor, slave or free, male or female. This culture versus that culture. This group versus that group. There is no difference. And then it's followed by Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you know what? All means all. We're all in the same boat. And baby, that boat's going down. It's not enough to say there is grace even for people like Rahab. I am glad there's enough grace for even people like Will Harmon. Because without the grace of God, I would be in that sinking ship. And so would you. Well, that, that's just verse 1. This is a whole chapter here, so let me hurry up. Let let me just read the next couple of verses, and then I'm going to explain the story. Verse 2 says, And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out our country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out our country. You know what Rahab did? She told a big fat lie. She said to the king, oh, those two guys, yeah, they were at my house, but you know what? Before they shut the city gates, those two guys walked out. See that mountain range over there? They were headed in that direction. And I'm pretty sure if you send out a detachment, you can catch them before they get away. And that was a lie. Because they hadn't left the city at all. In fact, they were still at her house. She had hid them in the roof of her house. It it was full of, of hay, flax, something up there. She hid them in the hay. And after it became dark, before they went to sleep, she went up there and said, Okay, boys, the king is looking for you. I lied for you, sent them out, and now I'm going to save your lives. I'm going to let you two guys down out of my window with this rope I have right here. But when you guys come back to destroy this city, I want you to save my life. And not only my life, but the life of my family, my mother, my father, my brothers, my sisters. Your life for our lives. The guy said, okay, it's a deal. We'll do it on this one condition. 
that this rope you throw out the window is still hanging out your window when we come to destroy this city. And that all of your family is in this room. Because only the people in this house with that rope hanging out this window will be saved. They shook hands on it. Now, can I just stop? Are y'all with me? You got the story? Let me just stop and say something about that rope. Because it wasn't just any old rope. The Bible makes it clear. It was a scarlet cord. Now, I've seen a whole lot of ropes, and I've had a lot of ropes. But, Jason, I've never had a scarlet rope. Have you? I I don't even know if I've ever seen a scarlet red rope. You even say, preacher, why are you making a big deal about a red rope? I think it is a big deal. I, I think there is significance in the fact that this rope was red, it was hanging out the window, and only the people in that house with that rope hanging out that window were going to be saved. You know what it is, church? It is a picture of what happened in Exodus chapter 12. God's people had been in bondage in Egypt for over 400 years. He brought Moses to deliver them. Moses spoke to the Pharaoh. All the plagues fell on the land of Egypt. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Nine times he said, no, you can't go. But then the tenth plague came. Remember number ten? It was a death angel. God sent a death angel to kill the firstborn of every living creature in the land of Egypt. So whether it was the firstborn son or daughter or the firstborn calf or cow or horse or goat, every firstborn creature in Egypt was killed that night. He told the Israelites, we're going to institute the Passover And here's how the Passover works. You take a lamb that is unblemished and you sacrifice this lamb to me. You take the blood of the lamb and with a hyssop broom, you sweep over the doorpost of your house and paint your doorpost scarlet red with the blood of the lamb. And then he gave instructions on what to do with that lamb, how they were to prepare it and eat it as if they were ready to leave the land. And that night when the death angel came, sure enough, all the firstborn in the land of Egypt was killed. But for the Hebrews who had the scarlet blood over their doorpost, that death angel passed by. And they were the only ones saved. With the scarlet blood on the doorpost, they were saved. What did Rahab have? She had a scarlet cord hanging out her window, symbolizing, in my opinion, the blood of the Lamb. And those in her house who had the scarlet cord hanging out, they were saved. Now, here's a couple of things that happened during the meantime. Number one, Rahab spread the word to her relatives. As soon as those spies got away, she kept that old cord hanging out her window, and she went to her mother, her father, her brothers and sisters, everyone in her household, and she said to them, listen, guys, this battle is coming. It's for real. 
when the battle starts, don't go join the battle. Don't go over here and hide. You come to my house. Whitney, you got it? I got it. Tyler, you got it? Zane, you got it? You get to Lolo and Poe's house because that's where you're going to be saved. Do, do you see what Rahab is doing? Rahab is becoming an evangelist. She cares so much about her family that she goes to them and pleads with them that they come and be saved. That is amazing to me. The second thing that's happening is this. Joshua led the children of Israel across the Jordan and right up to the city of Jericho. This caused the men of Jericho to close the city gates in the belief that they could withstand any assault or any attack. Now, we're going to come back and visit that again, but they thought they were safe inside the city. Well, in the ensuing destruction of Jericho, only one family was saved. You know who that was? It was the family who had the scarlet cord hanging out the window. Rahab and her family. Rahab the harlot was spared. Her faith caused her to reach out and guarantee the salvation of her own family as well. You know what this is? It is an Old Testament picture of New Testament conversion. You believe, you trust, and you try to get your family saved as well. Well, for the past 2,000 years, Christian expositors have seen at least two major themes in Rahab's story. And I'm going to close with these two lessons that we learned. Lesson number one, no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. Even in the midst of judgment, God reaches out and saves a harlot who in turn by faith reaches out to her family you got to think, but what about all those men she slept with? Think of all that sin. Think of her stained reputation. You know what God says? doesn't matter. What she has done in the past doesn't matter because today she believes. Today her life has changed. It doesn't matter. You know... I'm going to kind of turn that around a little bit because sometimes we, we look at people and, and we kind of think the same thing. And God says to you, it ain't none of your business. And it's not your business. Because let me turn it a little further around and just ask you the question, what's your sin? I mean, Rahab's sin was out there for everybody to see. They knew what she was, but what's your sin? You see, we all have sins that we would rather not mention in public. We all have things in our past that we don't want anybody else talking about. And I'm sure you would be absolutely appalled if we knew your sins and put them up on the big screen. As the saying goes, every saint has a past. And every sinner has a future. Does your past make you feel unworthy? If so, let me tell you, you are an excellent candidate for the grace of God because only unworthy people get to go to heaven. The people who think they are good enough for heaven are the people who end up in hell. And if God can save Rahab, 
Dude, he can save you. I would rather be Rahab the harlot on my way to heaven than Sally the Sunday school teacher on my way to hell. Just chew on that for a minute. The second lesson that this story teaches is salvation means that you choose sides with Jesus. How much did Rahab know when she hid the spies and then lied to the king? The answer is not much. She knew the God of Israel was the true God, and she knew she wanted to join his people. And after sending those spies away secretly, she hung the scarlet cord out her window, and she went and told her family so that they could be saved with her. We might say that Rahab literally was in Miss Barbara's class. She was in spiritual kindergarten. But she made the book. By faith, and there's the key word, it's by faith, Rahab. Sometimes we ask, how much do you need to know to go to heaven? Evidently, the answer is not, not very much, because Rahab didn't know a lot, but she knew enough to choose the right side. A little faith resting on a strong object is a whole lot better than a lot of faith resting on a weak object. And even though she had a very small amount of faith, it was resting on a very large object. Church, here's some good news for all of us. God doesn't consult your past to determine your future. <laughs> One final word and I'm done. You might ask, well, what happened to Rahab after Joshua chapter 2? What happened to Rahab when the walls of Jericho fell down and everyone died except her? What become of Rahab? Well, if you follow it into the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1 contains the genealogy that starts with Abraham and it goes all the way to Jesus. Are you with me? It's on Joseph's side, starts with Abraham, goes to Jesus. Here's what Matthew 1 5 and 6 says, Salmon fathered Boaz by Salmon fathered Boaz by Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered King David. So if you follow this genealogy, what that means is this, Rahab the harlot was the great-great-grandmother of King David. Come on, say it. Wow. And if you know Jesus, one day you're going to meet Miss Rahab in heaven. And there at last, she will no more be Rahab the harlot. She will forever be known as Rahab, the child of God. Amen. Dude, that's good. I've been thinking about a couple of songs this past week, writing this sermon, and and one of them is this old hymn by Fanny Crosby. Verse 2 says, O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer the promise of God. The vilest offender, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. 
Another song I've been thinking about, and I almost played it, but Jason played one of her songs last week. It's that Ann Wilson. Man, I've, I've been listening to Ann for about the past month. She's a new Christian artist, and Jason played the, the devil song last week. Man, that's a good one. Her other song is, Let Me Tell You About My Jesus. Dude, if you haven't heard that song, you need to, you need to find it and listen to it. It is a wonderful testimony. It tells her story and her family's story. But you know, from a different perspective, I think that could be Rahab's song. Because there ain't no sinner he can't save. So let me tell you about my Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Jesus can save you. Now, I can't end this sermon without remarking on the miracle of God's grace. The Canaanites built this thick wall around the city of Jericho, thinking they could keep God out. But can I tell you something? Nothing can keep the grace of God away. Nothing can stop the grace of God. So here's my bottom line. And look at me. If you are a Rahab, that is... If you have sin in your life that is unconfessed, God's grace is free for you today. Amen. Just like he changed Rahab, he can change you. And number two, if you know a Rahab, and we all do, never stop praying for them. As Fanny Crosby says, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, that moment, that moment they believe, they're pardoned. So that's our invitation today. If you need some of God's grace, come on. Come on. Come get it. He wants to give his grace to you, so come receive it. And number two, if you know somebody who needs God's grace, you need to be down here praying for them. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would respond to this gospel invitation today. For those who need your grace, who need to be saved, they need their lives changed by the blood of Jesus and the power of God, I pray that they would be willing to come and ask for that grace today. And then, dear Lord, all of us know people who are away from you, who, who are lost, whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. I pray, dear Lord, that today we would come and pray for them, that we would lift their names up so that they could hear the good news and be saved. Lord, help us to be that Rahab who goes out and tells our friends and family members of Jesus who can save. I love you so much, Lord. Would you please work in our lives this morning? For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. The praise team is going to sing. But right now, as you stand up, just make that next move and step out. Come, pray for God's grace in your life or in the life of someone else.
place. I pray that it would cover our lives and our families. Lord, thank you for including Rahab's story in the book. Help us to learn from it. Help us, dear Lord, to live as grace people. I pray that we would have the same burden that Rahab had for her family, for our own families. Lord, help us to be a shining light for you and a witness for you this week. Help us to be the people you've called us to be. Bless Kavanaugh Church and its family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated just for a moment. Thanks for listening today. As you leave and walk out the doors, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes or you can give online. This Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to have activities for all ages, so come back for that. And on September the 19th, we're going to have a baptism day. So if you've been saved but not baptized, please see one of the pastors. We want to get you in on this baptism September the 19th. Let's pray for each other. Just a couple of specific requests. Keep praying for Miss Maisie Little. She went home from the hospital but still needs our prayers. Pray for Larry Howard. Pray for Brother Ray and Brother Johnny as they continue to recover from their back surgeries. Also pray for Miss Gail and Miss Charlotte. I'm sure they, they could probably use that right now as well. And we want to pray for the Spencer family. Craig lost his dad yesterday and uh, love you guys and we're praying for you. Love all of you. God loves you most of all, and that's the most important thing. I pray that you have a blessed day. As you leave, be nice to one another, all right? We'll see you.